Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. This is brought to our listeners by Hemmings House Pictures and Vision Coaching Inc. Edible Matters, Ripple Effect Music Studios, and Robert Simmons. The best clothing to make you feel and look like Greg and Dave from the Bowling Point Podcast. Com. Robert Simmons, making us look good. Thank you to all of our sponsors that make the Boiling Point Podcast possible. Bam. Wow. Well, we're back, Mr. Hemmings. How we are, are you? We're, I'm doing good, I'm calling man. you Mr. Hemmings for a reason. Why are you calling me Mr. Hemmings? Well, because... Nobody calls me Mr. Hemmings. Well, I, I do, ever since I saw a Facebook pay, a post sorry, um, last night, and... And it was famous faces of St. John or famous people of St. John on the side of a building. St. John Famous. St. John Famous. You, you know, and, 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 and the faces, one of them was yours. And I think it covered another famous person being Donald Sutherland. So uh, who who's quite famous as well. Sort he's been of in appropriate. A, he's been in a few, you know, <laughs> he's got the beard as well. So maybe that's why your face was there. So I think I should call you Mr. Hemmings from now on. For people that want to see this, viewers that want to see this, how do they view this this wall? Like, this is pretty amazing. Well, I I think that's really good. You can always, uh, I, I think it's on my Twitter, at Greg Hemmings. You, you can see me uh, enshrined forever on the side of a building as a thought leader with a big glass of booze in my hand. And it's Yeah, I didn't, I missed that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you missed it. Yeah. Um, and from this point forward, I'm going to call you Minister Vail because you're a politician. <laughs> so all, all, all of that aside, that, that, that's a joke from uh, another, election time. Yeah, um, for, another, for another election. So, Dave, I just got back from Sustainable Brands, yep. again, uh, in San Diego. And as you know, every time I go to these incredible events, I come back with incredible guests. Do you ever notice that? I do. Okay. Thank and- God for, thank for <laughs> we wouldn't have any guests if it weren't for this. <laughs> that's true, man. So today... I've got my friend Paul French, and Paul is somebody who I met literally for three and a half minutes outside of a lunch line at a tent in San Diego. And he is a publisher of a magazine, which I am proudly displaying at my office. It's got a uh, a, a nice surf theme on the uh, on the front cover. Nice. And I'm not going to say anything else. We're going to pull Paul in, and he's going to give a, give us a good introduction. Paul, welcome to The Boiling Point. Hey, hey. Thanks a lot. Yeah, good to be here. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm the managing editor for Innovation in Tech today. Uh, we're a tech and uh, business magazine. Um, we're actually headquartered in uh, Denver, a uh, national magazine that we're a quarterly. Um, it's kind of different um, being a you know quarterly based in uh, Denver of all places. Like a lot of people, though, I mean, there's such a boom here right now that like so many you know, especially tech industries, you know, which is definitely relevant for us, are like taking off uh, right here, you know, um, <laughs> and no. <laughs> And, and uh, no small part because of, you know, a, there are a lot of different factors. Uh, let me just say that leading to the, the economic boom that's happening right now in Denver. But, uh, you know, yeah, we're we're happy to be uh, publishing out of here. And uh, it's been it's been great. Yeah, we the, the issue you have is our uh, summer one. Uh, we had a uh, Sally Fitzgibbons a pro surfer. Uh, you know, um, based out of Australia, she was talking about how she's using all this wearable technology to kind of track her her metrics. Um, that and it's kind of helping her just improve as an athlete. 
which, you know, that's, that's kind of great. There's almost like this, you know, uh, there's, it's, it's so weird how fitness for instance is taken off, uh, in this, like you're, you're always surveilling yourself mm-hmm. while you're working out now. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like just like looking in the mirror, you know, um, and saying, Oh, look, I'm more toned or like, like running, like, you know, Oh, well I can run farther than I could like a month ago. Now you, you see the numbers, like the ca- casual, not even an athlete, someone who's just working out can track the metrics, like their biometrics, you know, for like just daily workouts, you know, I mean, it's insane. You basically changed like your everyday working Joe's workout into a, uh, into a science, into like Ivan Drago from like Rocky four into that, like <laughs> it's, totally. it's like in that territory now. Totally. Yeah. So, so you guys, so you cover some very cool stuff and I mean, and I, and I, um, I, I love that the, the, uh, you know, the car, you know, I guess the intersection of, of athletics and technology. So that was, I, and I have yet to, to see this last publication. So I, I look forward to seeing that. There's an interesting thing happening because the Olympics are on right now and, and, uh, uh, kind of our, one of our national mag, uh, newspapers, the Globe and Mail is uh, doing this interesting thing where they, they compare, um, the performance of athletes, you know, in, 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 in various things like swimming, you know, the butterfly, 100 meters, uh, you know, run, all this stuff to average people. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, kind of how that lines up. But um, so, you know, this idea of, the, of, of technology kind of like, I guess the everyday person is just really embracing technology is what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, it's just uh, the, the access that just you have as just an everyday Joe, you know, um, to technology that would be considered, you know, cutting edge or even science fiction, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, like it's just, uh, it's amazing, you know? And I feel like we say this every time there's a new wave of like, you know, now, right now it's connected technology. I mean, that's like the, the thing right now, smart technology. Um, and so I, I mean, but I feel like we, every time there's a new like wave, uh, technology. We always say that we're like, oh my gosh, this was science fiction, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and uh, you know, we're we're always so. It, it, I I love how we're surprised by the present. You know, it's a it's it's kind of weird. Like I, I even though I you know work in this tech magazine and you know we're we're you know we've got our fingers on the pulse or at least we like to think so. You know, I'm I'm kind con- I'm consistently surprised by the present moment, like what we're capable of doing right now. What, who so who is reading your your magazine out of curiosity like like um because you you bring up a really good point about what's available today and like you know and, and my kids kind of roll their eyes and they'd be like nine and six when i like i I'm still fascinated by like FaceTime as an example like I just like I'm like yeah. this is incredible right. like look we're talking <laughs> in real time and I'm you know, downstairs and you're upstairs. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's no, yeah. yeah that, I was born into that. Come on. <laughs> and look, and if I have a problem with my iPhone, what I love is I go to my nine-year-old. I go, well, what is this icon? He doesn't even have an iPhone and he figures it out. Like, it's so intuitive for him. I'm just like blown away by this. Mm-hmm. But So so anyway, so I'm fascinated by it. But I, would I be your average reader? And I'm just this guy who's a, a business coach, an entrepreneur. You know, who are your readers? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, it's pretty wide. You know, I, I, I think I was telling you this uh, during like when we met during the conference in San Diego, you know, um, it's like when you have a tech themed magazine, um, technology is so broad and yet so focused at the same time as a theme. I mean, I can uh, I'm looking at my desk here. I have this cheapy 
plastic uh, fork here. Um, this is technology, right? I could write a, it would be a, it wouldn't be a very compelling article, of course. I mean, maybe it would, I don't could know, uh, but I could write a little article about this, this stupid fork. Um, uh, but then again, I could also write a, uh, uh, some article about, you know, uh, you know, let's say Google glasses or, you know, something like that, you know, it's all technology, you know? So, um, like if you are interested in, you know, technology and how, you know, it's enhancing everyday life, enhancing professional life, um, medical, uh, sports, anything like that, then, uh, you're one of our readers. Um, so, you know, uh, I think I think you know I I would like to say that that would appeal to like pretty much everybody, but everybody isn't reading the magazine yet. We're trying to change that, but yeah. yeah. Well, well, you know, after after around on the after around on the boiling point, uh, hopefully uh, subscription numbers are going to go way through the roof. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Paul, yeah, yeah. You, you you mentioned uh, the health side of it, and um, you know you're so right. In this day and age, I, I think probably my first you know, tracking app would have been, uh, map my run or one of those, you know, running apps. Right. So, uh, and that's, we're talking baseline metrics, but for me, it was so cool to say, oh my gosh, I actually ran 5k in X amount of minutes for example. And there, right. there's the right. track and it's developed so much from then in the last two years. Um, especially with all the wearables and whatnot, where we really can own our, our data. Um, in Canada, where we are, I, I'm, I'm wondering if it's a little bit different in, in America in more of a private healthcare system, and I'm, I'm sure it is. But in Canada, it's having access to our data is, and like legally, it's ours, but it's not easily given to us. You know, like uh, you go get blood work, for example. Um, if you don't hear back from your doctor, everything's okay. But you're never really going to know what your numbers are unless you really request it and go through a process. Um, do we see a change in even that in technology and bringing data to people's, uh, you know, really important data through technology that doesn't have to go through a system like a medical system, for example? I'm asking yes, you. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, uh, you know, Moore's Law, for instance, like, uh, you know, Moore's Law. Yep. Uh, Moore's Law is uh, the idea that um, uh, I believe it's every two years, um, the computing power uh, doubles, right? Um, and so for computers, what this has done, uh, you know, is it's made, uh, you know, uh, microchips more available, uh, more powerful and cheaper, right? Um, you know, that's the big thing. I mean, if you look at computer prices, you know, for like the basic models, you know, uh, you know, 20, 25 years ago and compare them to now, you know, um, it's just, there's just, you know, for the cheapest model is, you know, I, I remember like thumbing through like, cause I, you know, I don't know, I was, you know, obviously like a really nerdy kid when I was in uh, elementary school and <laughs> my friends and I, this is funny. Uh, we used to look through like the Dell, um, the, the, like the, the little like Dell pamphlets or whatever, the new compute, new laptops that were coming out. And I remember that just like the cheapest, like Dell laptops, some of those thick things, basically like, like uh, the like the girth of like a, an encyclopedia, you know, um, like it was like thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred dollars more than that. Even some of them, I remember them going up as high as like three thousand, you know, and like these were, you know, uh, this is basic stuff. 
right? Um, uh, you know, now, you know, you can go out and get like a basic laptop. You can go to Best Buy and grab one for like $200, $300. Now, like what I'm saying, like the, the way I want to transition into the medical thing, uh, that like that has implications for all sorts of technology, anything that uses computing power, right? So if you want to analyze your, you know, medical information, your metrics, you're going to be able to purchase like medical grade equipment, right? Um, uh, uh, like stuff that can analyze the metrics we were talking about. Um, it's going to be more available to you than it ever was before, right? So you will be more capable of owning your data, owning your, owning your, um, your body's uh, data. That's so weird to say. Um, but, but as the uh, technology progresses, yeah. And what, what's the most exciting thing for you in this space right now as, as a journalist who is really seeing the front of the wave? Uh, what, what's getting you excited these days? Uh, you know, it's, it's really a mix of, uh, excitement and dread. I think that's always how we perceive the future. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. I was, I was interviewing, uh, Michio Kaku. Um, uh, you, you, I don't know if you're familiar with him, the no. uh, theoretical physicist. Uh, so, um, he, he's a futurist. Um, uh, you should check him out. You know, he's on the discovery channel and stuff. How, how, um, is, how do you know his he, name? Uh, Michio Kaku. So it's M I C H I O K A K U. I guarantee you're going to recognize him when you. And like everybody uh, listening to this is thinking that you and I are idiots, Dave, for not knowing who. That wouldn't be the first time. No, 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 (laughs) no. That's that's that's. No, we're not suggesting you. We're not saying. No, we're not suggesting you're thinking that, Paul. But everyone else listening. Everyone else is. (laughs) Oh yeah! No, 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 no! Absolutely! Like uh, it's it's totally cool. I bet you you'll recognize him. But anyway, uh, like so he he's even this big time futurist. He's very you know. Uh, uh, he's very well known for making these predictions about like what the, the what the future is going to look like. And, um, you know, I, I was talking to him about, you know, connected technology, you know, uh, and uh, this idea, like I asked him this one question, I was like, when do you think the internet of things is going to intersect with the internet of minds? Now, like the concept of the internet of mind, like, have you heard of like Ray Kurzweil, for instance? Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the singularity, right. The, tr- uh, uh, the, <laughs> the transcendent man, all that stuff, you know, how we're going to merge with technology. Right. So, what that's what that implies is that you're going to possibly have a future where everyone is kind of mentally connected to each other, like through the internet, right? So we're like the internet of things and the internet of us, they're kind of going to collapse uh, into each other at some point, like according to some theories, you know, and I, I think it's definitely a possibility at this point. And I was just like, you know, that's terrifying. Um, for me a little bit, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very weird. Um, you know, and I was asking him about that and I, I was like, um, well, well, you know, after he, you know, kind of was telling me about, you know, what he thinks is going to happen there. I, I was like, well, doesn't that kind of scare you? Like, don't you think like that we should be a little terrified of that? Or is that, is that irrational? And he was like, you know what, we're, we're hardwired as humans to be, fearful of the future you know he was telling me that when he was doing a book tour in the early 90s like when the internet was kind of first commercially available everyone's getting aol you know and stuff like that um you know you've got mail um and this lady came up to him and was just petrified 
uh, of the, the internet, the concept of the internet. She just couldn't wrap her head around it. She was so scared. She's like, this sounds terrible. This is hor- This is horrific. And he, and he was just like, you know, he's like, well, you'll get used to it. You know, you'll figure out that it's useful and it won't scare you at all. And then, then that's exactly of course what happened. And it's kind of, it, it was kind of weird for me uh, to hear about this because I was like, Oh, I guess there probably was like this sense of dread when the internet was first, you know, you know, like making waves there, you know, like everyone was like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen. But you know, we adapted to it. We, <laughs> we really, and now it's, you know, it's just, we don't even think about it. It's disappeared it's in the fabric. It's woven into the fabric of, you know, our everyday lives. Yeah, and so, that, and, um, I'm sorry to cut in, Paul. I was just going to say, that's a really interesting point around like, and I, I can remember, um, my, my, you know, my grandfather was really my, my big hero in life. Um, growing up, he was a you know real spiritual guy. He's, you know, he was an Anglican minister, but not you know kind of over the top. And he was just you know been to a world war. I mean, just this fascinating guy. And and the one thing I struck me as interesting is when he in his eighties, he 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 spoke about to me about you know you know that those computers they're addictive, Dave. So be careful. Like and he, so and I just thought, what is he talking about, right? But I mean, he was, you know, so I guess we all have those points where the unknown scares us, right? And, yeah, uh, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, and this idea, but that's a really, you know, interesting that we, we do adapt. And so how, how are we going to, like, so the one thing that I'd love to hear more about is artificial intelligence, you know, and, and what the future holds, in your opinion, from what you're reading and understanding around AI and, and what does that mean and how do we adapt to that? Well, um, it means a lot of things. Uh, like I'll tell you one thing that I've been, I've been researching like, uh, the past few months here. Um, so I've been reading up and as a journalist, I'm kind of invested in this. Um, unfortunately, uh, because, uh, you know, it might mean an end to my job, but, uh, so a lot of software developers have been experimenting with RNN, the reticulated neural networks. And so these, these are pieces of software, um, that are fed, um, uh, language, right? So you'll have a bank of words, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you'll have all these relationships built into the tech, into the software where it can recognize words, right? And so what some of these guys have done, right, um, is they have, uh, it started out kind of as a joke for, for some of them. Um, they were, they, 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 uh, they were trying to make like bots that would replicate uh, clickbait, right? You know what clickbait uh, right. uh, is like, you know, like uh, how uh, Kim Kardashian uh, looks like, like uh, you'll never believe Kim Kardashian's new stunning red carpet look or something like that. But there's like kind of a formulaic, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but like they're all kind of framed the same way after a while. Um, like, but like, like it, they were like trying to make Sylvester these... Stallone is dead on Facebook. I see this thing or whoever. Somebody, sure. you know, it's just like, <laughs> that's clickbait. Right. That all that is, hoax yeah. Stuff, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like huge hoax. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. So I hear we get it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, anyway, so like he was, uh, like some of the, some of these software developers are trying to make like these, these bots that could replicate, you know, uh, clickbait art headlines. And eventually what they were able to, uh, what they were able to do is like they were able to make like clickbait headline generators, right? Um, and uh, like and and what they discovered, uh, this one of them, I believe he, I can't remember exactly where. I think he was in Eastern Europe, but he, his um, gosh, I wish I wish I remember exactly what it was called because uh, it's it you can like look it up, like um, uh, you can actually access it and get it to to generate stuff for you, but it can generate completely original uh, headlines, uh, that make sense 
based on like the news it's absorbed based on the language it's absorbed. Um, and they, they don't just make sense linguistically. They make sense in terms of topics, right? Like, so it's, it's taking random, what would be random language. And like, so it's like, uh, like in it, and it's putting them together in a way that makes sense. So like, it would say like Prince, uh, print the, uh, like, gosh, who's the Prince right over there. And, uh, England right now, the Prince Harry. What was it? I don't, I don't keep up with that. Prince stuff, William but, like, and Harry, yeah, one of those guys. Yeah, William and Harry, right? So it'd be like Prince Harry and uh, Prince William, right? Isn't it Prince William? Yeah, Prince William and uh, and Kate's new baby. Blah 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 blah. That would be it's like random headlines just taken from language, but it makes sense, right? And um, so like what they're what they're what they're you know kind of projecting is that they're going to have like bots, like software. Um, uh, that can write fully original articles, um, like, uh, just themselves artificially. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And and one of these guys was saying, he's like, well, you know, this might replace online journalism because like, you know, unfortunately it, it would never be able to replace like a human reporter, right? Because that requires you to go out, you know, and investigate things and, you know, talk to people and all that stuff. Right. But very rarely do we see investigative journalism anymore online. Like most of the time we see like Buzzfeed articles, clickbait stuff, all of that, that takes no, like that, that, that doesn't take any investigation or anything like that. That just takes organizing information, putting it into lists, right? Summing things up and the, and the software is becoming quickly, it's, it's, it's quickly becoming able to do stuff like that. So that's one thing I think, you know, where artificial intelligence is going to have a huge impact, uh, unfortunately. I think, I think it's going to be interesting, uh, when AI, uh, ends up adopting voices, and they start creating their own podcasts, talking to each other. It's totally right. possible, you know. Like, like there could yeah. be a, an AI Greg and AI Dave actually having an a, a intelligent conversation about any random topic. Probably more intelligent more than intelligent. our conversations. <laughs> and we, 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 we wouldn't say <laughs> we, we, we would know all the, the anyone you talk about. Oh yeah, we know that guy. Yeah, we could go on and nauseam. Oh my God, I never thought of that. It kind of starts, it starts blowing up the mind a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, totally does. And I want to shift gears too. Um, The other thing that's blown my mind is last week, David Alston, who was our uh, second guest in The Boiling Point, um, also for the listeners who don't remember, he's the one that named the the podcast The Boiling Point. He let me jump into his HTC Vive um, environment last week. So I'm in complete, I put the glasses on, and I'm in this new 3D reality. And what was it like? was so mind-blowing. And I've been, uh, you know, I, I've, I've tried Oculus Rift uh, in the past and um, Google Cardboard and whatnot. And, and I've seen um, 3D VR or just like, like VR film, you know, and we've actually filmed in VR at Hemming's House. But to go into an animated environment... Uh, it is so bloody real, and it blew my mind uh, into this new place of possibility. And uh, Paul, I'd love to get your your thoughts on 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 the future of uh, of VR as you're seeing it, both for film and for animated, you know, in in, in the gaming and uh, you know um, environment space. Um. Well, you know, for me, like I I see it becoming a little less specialized than that. You know, like once again, like you know my point before, like about the, the internet being 
woven into everything, right? I think it's very possible that, you know, we'll view VR like we do your everyday household computer, right? It's just there, right? You don't like, you don't walk into somebody's house and suddenly go, Oh my God, you have a, you have a computer, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't say that because you just assume that that's going to be there. Like right? the VR will be just like, you know, the, the computer in that way. You'll, you'll walk into somebody's house and it'll just be a fixture of the home. Right. Um, and it won't be just for games, right. Um, for, but for, you know, just th- there'll be a myriad of experiences you could associate with VR. I mean, look at like, I mean, this isn't VR, this is augmented reality, but look at, look at Pokemon go and look at some of those apps. Like, um, uh, they, they, they're not, you know, they're not games in the old traditional sense. They're more of like, just like enhanced, like, like they say, augmented reality. It's just, you're, you're walking through the park and, you know, there's, there's a little Pokemon or something, you know, um, like, uh, like it, it'll be more about like, uh, not like little games here and there. Like, it'll be about like, Hey, do you want to, um, play with a, a virtual reality dog? Right. Yeah, you want and, to have and I played that one by the way. VR. <laughs> I played that one. Yeah. That, did you try that one? Yeah. <laughs> I heard about that one. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be just like life, like experiences, like not games necessarily, but like just things that you want to do. Hey, do you want to go like, you know, I, I was, uh, 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 taking a look at this this one VR thing, it's like it, I think it was called Ocean First, and it was uh, it was a, a learning tool for students, and it was uh, so they could you know see like the coral reef, right? They put on the headset and they can kind of wow. explore you know the coral reef and stuff like that, you know. So it's it's about experience, right? And taking a, like exploring places, you know, mm-hmm. in a virtual reality. I was I was listening to a guy that was talking about uh, future trends from Deloitte. And, uh, you know, and he was, he was describing some of the commercial applications of VR and, you know, like, and just like some really obvious things, you know, in, in retrospect, but at the time I thought, geez, I never thought of that. But the idea of like, you know, you're a condo developer, you know, saying, well, come on in and check out which condo and what you'd want, where you want your yeah. furniture and how you can shift for, you know, and it's just like, wow. I mean, just so, I mean, like to your point though, I mean, we'll just assume we'll, that we'll just expect that probably another five years. Um, we, we got to wrap up here, unfortunately, but cause I, cause we could go on and on and on. This is a fascinating <laughs> this, topic. This is page one of the, of a much longer. Oh <laughs> my God. And but the one thing I just wanted to ask you quickly and, and you know, this is probably not even fair to be asking you this, but I just think of a conversation I had recently with my father and he was, you know, and, and again, maybe a little fear of the future, but his, his theory was, uh, you know, and, and I, and I got to think there's some, uh, and if you if you know of any explanation around this, I'd, I'd love to hear it, but this idea that that, you know, how are, and he was speaking specifically to Google, and he was saying, you know, you, you just, you wonder how, you know, in his mind it might stunt. I don't know if that's the truth or, or that would be, that would, it would happen. But the brain, you know, in terms of our, our memory capacity and all those things, if everything's just um, accessible to us. But I just wonder how, you know, you know, all this, uh, like, you know, all this technology coming at us, you just wonder how it shifts our thinking and, and, you know, and even, you know, even like just, it'd be interesting kind of what neuroscience's kind of perspective is. Do, do you have yet, do you have any sense of that? I'm just, and I just throwing that out as a, as kind of a crazy final question, but I just, have you, do you have any articles around that? Or have you done any, you know, any research on that? Well, so how it changes the way of thinking, like, you know, that that's a, you know, there are, there are a lot of, you know, a lot of people have talked about like, you know, uh, how, you know, um, the simple act of like, you know, checking your phone, getting into that habit, you know, kind of changes, changes your daily routine. I mean, um, but if we're talking about like, 
you know, uh, paradigm shifts, you know, like kind of like you're, you're talking about like changing the, like, you know, the, the culture co- of cogni- one and the culture the, as a whole. Yeah. The cognition, like we just, we would, we, our, our, our brains would actually yeah. act differently and they would, they would, you know, probably short circuit in some ways and maybe, you know, have greater capacity in other ways. And just, you know, based on how we, we interact with technology and, and not having to, to memorize, as an example, memory, our memory, would it change at all? Because we don't really have to, we don't really need to retain information because it's readily accessible, right? Right. Right. Well, so a lot of people have been, you know, yeah, you're talking about the fear of the future. And there is this, like, so I don't, I was reading, uh, I love this book uh, by Joshua for uh, Moonwalking with Einstein. Um, and in the book, you know, he talks about these memory champions, these savants, these people who can like, you know, like Kim Peek, like Rain Man, they, they just like, they can memorize anything. You memorize anything. You give them like a stack of 300 cars completely in random order. Uh, you give them one look at the, at the stack and they can recite in 20 minutes, every card in order, uh, in the order that they appear. And they actually have championships um, uh, for like, you know, for these people. And apparently you can learn the technique, like, and, and this is what the book is about. Um, you know, he, Joshua, uh, uh, four, he, like he, he, you know, he learns, uh, based on ancient techniques. These are ancient Cicero, um, uh, use these techniques of memory. The Jesuit priests, um, would use these techniques for memorizing things. There are ways to actually become like a memory champion like this. There are ways to do this because back in the day, you know, uh, for instance, these, uh, these, uh, priests, uh, and you know, if you were a scholar, like you didn't have that many, you know, you didn't have a library, you didn't have access to all this information. Like you're saying, it wasn't like readily available with the you know click of the button or blink in the eye. Maybe if we're talking about Google glasses and stuff like that, if you came across a book, you better take that book to heart, right? You better memorize all that information because exactly. it's so rare, right? So, um, you know, that like we've, over the centuries lost that ability. Like you don't like what that was common knowledge. You can look up the, the ad herenium and you'll see that there was like a way of doing this, you know, and, and you, I don't know if you've heard about memory palaces, stuff like that, but that's, that's how they did it. Right. Um, right now. And, and so like, yeah, we're, we're kind of saying like, Oh man, well, all of our memory is like externalized now. Um, you can, you know, it's, it's not about like, you know, like memorizing things as much as it's being able to like access information you know so i've been fearful about that too and uh you know i talked to i once again i talked to kaku about this and um he was uh he was telling me like you know uh this isn't a problem right um this is actually going to help enhance critical thinking you know he, he said think about like how students are tested right now and all the problems with public education right uh, everyone criticizes the new like the current model of learning because it's so it's based on rote learning it's based on memorization like memorize you know these uh the these the this word list or something like that it's like a vocab test like memorize like the main characters in this book or something like that you know um in 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 the future he says you know what because we've externalized our memory it won't be about that. It'll, it, it, it'll be about like critically analyzing the information. It won't be about like just knowing the information. It'll be, be about actually like taking the information and like critically thinking about it. So instead of like, you know, reciting the, you know, the main characters from 
Silas Marner or something like the, these kids will have to like, you know, come up with like a thesis statement for like how the characters like interacted with each other in the book. Cause like, it won't be a, it, the, the point will be moot about who the, those characters were because the, the the kids would just be able to cheat on that test. They'll just have to blink their eyes and the information's there in their brains, you know? <laughs> right. So, Yeah. Well, listen, man, this uh, like this happens every time because our, our podcast is half an hour and every time we just get into the groove and then we get to shut her down. So this is, we need to do a follow-up with you, Paul. Um, I think it'd be a nice feature actually because you are our, 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 our tech yeah. guru that we, we can uh, we can pop in every few months and see what's uh, see what's happening, you know? Actually, that would be fun. Like yeah, games yeah. or something like that if you're interested. You know what I mean? Like, totally. That, that would be really cool. So we'll, we'll talk offline about that, Paul. Paul, thanks so much, man. It was so nice to meet you in person. And um, and uh, as far as anybody getting in touch with you, obviously, um, InnotechToday.com is the website. InnotechToday.com is our website, yep. Yeah, and I strongly encourage folks to subscribe to the, the print magazine. It's awesome. It's it's a really great thing. And how do people follow you, uh, Paul? Uh, you know what? I actually don't do uh, – I mean, I guess maybe I should, but I, no. I really don't do, like, anything myself. I mean, you can look me up on Facebook if you want, um, uh, or uh, I don't I – don't, I, I don't even have a Twitter myself. God bless you. Check out the magazine, though. That's yeah. awesome. That's great, man. Well, listen, thanks yeah. for your time, brother, and we will be in touch again. Thanks, Paul. All right. Thank you. Uh, hey, take care. Talk soon. That was awesome. We don't have time for follow-ups, man, no. but my, my brain is cooking. I totally. Only other than, you know, he, he referenced so many <laughs> people there. Yeah, yeah. That I, if I just picked two and learn more, that'd probably be good for me. And I just love his enthusiasm. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. And, and my last thing is, are we afraid of driverless cars? I'm not gonna. We're not gonna talk about it. Let's just leave it like that. Okay. Wow. Bam. Okay. So, Greg, you know what? We have the luxury of doing this podcast, which we've enjoyed for 130 odd episodes. Um, and the reason we're able to do this is because we've got these great companies supporting us. Um, a couple we should mention. One I'm a big fan of, Hemmings House Pictures. And uh, that's your company. Thanks, Dave. And it is great work. Uh, you just got to go and check out their website to see it. Um, I've actually used you guys a number of times to do a documentary, do a corporate video, and uh, so it's accessible to small and large businesses and wonderful at helping um, business tell story and, and movements, to, you know, help shaping story around, you know, wh what's happening in the world. So thank you to HHB. Well, I, I'd like to say thank you to one of the, the Hemings House team members, uh, Tim Davidson, and we're actually in his his uh, other company's studio right now, Ripple Effect Music. So uh, Tim is yet another community-minded person who is essentially donating his studio, uh, the studio that we use at Hemings House to make all of our films sound good. Um, so he's a part of this. Another really important uh, person uh, is Matt, uh, Matt Weber. Mm -hmm. And he his company is uh, Edible Matters. It's an incredible restaurant out in Hammond's uh, Plains outside Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's the one that edits this, all the all stuff together, puts the show notes together, and uploads these podcasts every single week. And then going back to my good friend who I'm looking at right now, Dave Vale, the big guy with the biggest muscles I've ever met in my life, who also, Dave, you um, you have to know that without you in the early days of me shaping Hemming's House, I probably wouldn't have created Hemming's House. So um, Vision Coaching has helped so many companies and entrepreneurs find their coach approach and create companies that actually can make the change in the world that they want to see. And uh, so Vision Coaching 
uh, and uh, everything that you bring to the table, bringing Kim uh, in as well to help us make this podcast a, a success. We say thank you so much. And the great news, the other night, a few weeks ago, you and I bumped into a previous podcast guest, Mr. Paul Simmons himself. Why don't you tell our, our listeners about our, our newest gold sponsor for our podcast? Yes, Robert Simmons is a fabulous place, um, well-known to people throughout New Brunswick, but also um, you can shop there online, men's and women's clothing. And um, uh, Paul Simmons, who is, uh, I, I mean, I think they've been going on 20 years now, the founder of the company, um, brings the customer experience to a whole nother level. I say that because I shop there. Um, you know, if you were to say, Dave, you look really good wearing that particular suit, um, I would say, well, thank you. And I would have to credit Paul and his staff, which is fabulous. And it's, it's an incredible experience. You've had it before shopping there. Um, what, I look great. Look what, at me. And, and what's the experience like? What are they you, walk, you walk in the door, you literally get asked if you'd like to have a, a glass of scotch or an espresso. And that's the beginning of the experience. And you walk out with a new set of clothes that makes you feel like uh, feel like a well-dressed man or woman, depending on uh, on what you are as you walk into this incredible place. They have an incredible uh, magazine that they publish, I believe, quarterly. And uh, the next one's coming out, the fall issue of 2016. Um, they always, what we enjoy, and I think what aligns us with what, what Robert Simmons does is, is they make a point of, of covering interesting, um, often uh, business-minded, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, um, community leaders in their publication, and they believe in promoting local. And it's coming out soon, and we have the good fortune of interviewing some of the people in the, uh, in the September issue coming up so uh, robertsimmons.com and uh, yeah so that's great thanks to our sponsors and if anybody else uh, in the in the podcast sphere is interested in helping us uh, push our Boiling Point movement forward be in touch thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod to see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. 
Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>